we'll get into 1 Samuel and chapter 8 today. And we're looking at the, uh, the requesting for a king, King Saul, and uh, what goes in with that. Of course, we've got to end, uh, not end, I guess, uh, look at some of uh, Samuel in this still as well. And it's interesting, I thought, just reading through this again, Cam, go ahead and turn me down a touch, please. Uh, but uh, we see here, starting in verse number one, um, we're just kind of continuing through. You remember the, uh, uh, we looked at the Samuel kind of stepping into the limelight, so to say, as being the prophet, um, and, and to some degree a judge early on as well, uh, but, but really a prophet here. And uh, we learned some things about Samuel in chapter 8, starting in verse number 1. It came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. I've heard people uh, speak negatively on this. I don't think that in and of itself was necessarily wrong. Verse number 2 says the name of the firstborn was Joel. The name of the second was Abiah. And they were judges in Beersheba. But here's the problem, verse number 3. And his sons walked not in his ways but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. So the problem was not necessarily putting the sons uh, in, in charge. The problem was that the sons were not worthy of it. Um, they, uh, they were not moral people. And uh, it says in verse 4 that the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. And so the, the people did not trust the ways that it was going. Uh, Samuel himself, people seemed to respect, uh, but he was aging. And in doing so, uh, they said, your, your sons, they're not it. They're not the ones that need to be carrying on once you pass. We don't want to be these guys being in charge because they take bribes and they, they, don't, they don't do anything lawfully. They don't do anything uh, justly. And, uh, and so their decision, the people's decision, was they wanted a king. And I'm always blown away by the wording here when it says, like all the nations. It's not the only time we'll see this. Um, but their desire was to have a king. And it seems like their motivation was to be like everybody else which is the old common saying that every mom has said to their child at one point or another, well, if they jumped off a bridge, would you do that too? Um, you know, if all the other nations were jumping off the bridge, so to say, and uh, the people wanted to follow after them. And they wanted a king. They wanted to be a nation like the other nations that existed. And again, it's a result of, I think, in degree, to Samuel's failures as a father, uh, or at the very least, uh, his son's failures as just good people. And, uh, and I think you could argue that's on Samuel. It depends, I suppose, at this point in his life. Maybe they were good kids and then they got older and, and money corrupted them. I don't know. Um, but we see that obviously they went after money. They went after greed um, as well. But we see uh, the nation now, uh, their failures don't fall on Samuel. Like We can look at this and say, well, Samuel made mistakes or Samuel's son's um, were bad people or whatever, and it's kind of their fault for leading the nation into this desire for a king, which is not what God wanted. Um, but the nation's failures fall on the nation, not on Samuel. Look in verse number 6. Uh, the king 
excuse me, the thing. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. According to all, uh, sorry, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even unto this day wherewith they have forsaken me and served other gods, and so do they also unto thee. So it's interesting, is it not? First of all, Samuel's not happy about it. Um, then he goes and prays to God, and God says, Give the people what they're asking for. And he reminds Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And then he also says, just like they've done since I brought them out of Egypt. So this is a throwback now. Now God is saying, since I delivered them out of Egypt, they have been this way. They have rejected me, they have forsaken me, they went after idols, they've done all these other things. You remember the stories of the wilderness and the murmurings and the complainings and the idolatries and all these other things. And, and God says, they're not rejecting you, Samuel, they're rejecting me as their leader. They don't want to follow me, uh, they want to follow a king. And so the, uh, God says, you want a king? Well, a king you're going to get. Look in verse number 9. Now therefore hearken unto their voice, how be it, yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over them. So he says, all right, you're going to grant them a king, but you're going to protest it. You're going to let them know it's not what God wants. And he says, you're going to make sure to tell them exactly what kind of king they're going to get. Now, this is intriguing to me as well because I sit here and go, okay. Um, and again, if you're a parent or, or you, may, you may have even had this conversation with your parents before, where they've decided to let you do something or have something, um, probably a pet in this situation, and they tell you, here's the deal. If we do this, Here's what you're going to have to do. So if we're talking about a pet, if we get a pet, if we get a dog, you're going to have to feed it every day. You're going to have to water it. You're going to have to take it outside. You're going to have to clean up all the messes and all these kinds of things, right? They, they're trying to lay it out for them. You know, yes, I know you want this, but if you get it, you need to understand what's coming with it. And that's what God does here. And Samuel, as the messenger of God, goes in, uh, verse number... 10, Samuel told all the people uh, the words of the Lord, or told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, this will be the manner of king that shall reign over you. Now he's going to go through a number of he wills, okay? Uh, he will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen, and some shall run before his chariots. He's going to take your kids into war. Uh, verse 12, he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and he will set them to, the, uh, to ear his ground uh, and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. He will, verse 13, take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. Verse 14, he will take your fields and your vineyards and your olive yards and uh, even the best of them and give them to his servants. Verse 15, he will take a tenth of your seed and your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. Verse 16, he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. Verse 17, he will take a tenth of your sheep, and uh, ye shall be his servants. Verse 18, ye shall carry, uh, you shall cry out in that day because of your king, which ye uh, shall have chosen you, and uh, the Lord will not hear you in that day. 
So there you go. That lays it out pretty thick, doesn't it? Um, you're, you want a king? Well, you can have a king, but you need to understand you're going to need to clean up the messes. You're going to have to feed. You're going to have to water. You're going to lose things. Uh, he's going to take things from you. You're going to have to give up land, possessions, uh, servants, children. You're going to have to give it up. You need to understand that. And what was their response? Verse number 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us. Uh, they, oh, that we also may be like all the nations. There it is again. And they, uh, let's see, where am I at? And that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man into his city. So there you go. It's been laid out now for the king. You've got to be careful what you wish for. I know we've heard that phrase a lot in our lives as well. Um, but that's what they want. And so we see uh, in chapter 10 is really the finding and anointing of Saul, which let me ask you this. I need some feedback, okay? When you think of Saul, King Saul, in the early days, King Saul, what are, what's, what's a word you think to describe King Saul? Tall? Okay, yeah, and everybody else? Do you think of him as weak or strong? Strong. Do you think of him as authoritative or passive? I think of him as authoritative. That's not a biblical thing. I'm just saying when I think of Saul, I think of big, strong, kingly authoritative. James thinks of him as passive, right? At the start. Yeah, which is what we're going to look at. You're, stop. Um, play with me, James. Uh, <laughs> typically, and not everybody, but typically when we think of King Saul in, in the, the moment of his anointing, in the moment of him becoming king, we typically think of him as kingly, right? When you think of David, you think of him as small, you know, uh, um, young, you think of him in that kind of mindset, typically. When you think of Saul, you think of king. That's what, when, the, when you look at Saul, from everything we see in the description, when you look at Saul, you think king. And that's kind of the presentation of him. Chapter 10, though, and this kind of gets blown over a lot when we talk about King Saul, shows Saul as maybe physically kingly, but not necessarily outwardly kingly in the way that he acted um, at this point, look in uh, chapter 9, I'm sorry, not chapter 10, chapter 9. Um, make sure I'm in the right verse. No, chapter 10. Hey, yeah, jump over to chapter 10. Chapter 9 talks about meeting Saul and all that kind of stuff as well. What happens is um, Saul's father loses his donkeys. They, they wander off. Nobody knows where they are. So Saul's dad says, Saul, go find the donkeys. So Saul goes on a trip to go find the donkeys, all right? And then he ends up meeting Samuel along the way. Um, and now in verse 10, you can go back and read verse 9 on your own. Now in verse number 10, chapter number 10, excuse me, uh, look in verse number 1. Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, It is not because, um, it is not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain. Is it not? I'm sorry, I knew I was reading that wrong. Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? And so he's anointing Saul. He's going to introduce Saul as the king. 
um, and, where, and where he needed to be. And uh, Saul begins, and by the way, Samuel tells Saul, don't worry about the donkeys, you're going to find the donkeys. Don't worry, you're fine. You're good. All right? Um, down in verse number... Uh, let's jump down and see what I want to read. Let's go down to verse number 9. Um, but uh, in, Well, verse number 6. Samuel still talking to Saul. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. Uh, and let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Now verse number 9. Uh, and it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. God changed Saul in verse number 9. Um, Saul was, was being transformed by God uh, to fulfill a purpose of God. And, uh, and God changed Saul that day. And with that, uh, God began to work within Saul. Uh, it says there in verse number 10, When they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And he prophesied among them, just as Samuel told him what happened. Um, but now God is working in Saul's life. Saul is looked at actually even being questioned as, is he a prophet? Uh, is a question that's going to be asked in a few verses. Um, and he was not a prophet, by the way, but he was given gifts from God uh, to be the next king or to be the king here in Israel. And uh, we see down in... Uh, let's see here. Verse 11 came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is uh, that has come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And, some, uh, and one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it become a proverb, Is Saul also among the, pro the prophets? It starts getting around town. And when they had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. So, we're rolling in here uh, to Saul, and uh, it's really interesting. Samuel calls everybody together into Mizpah. This is verse 17. He calls everybody in together to, to uh, Mizpah and uh, to bring Saul in and introduce Saul. It says in verse number, uh, let's see here. Verse number 20, And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. And when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri uh, was taken, and Saul the son of Kish was taken. And when they sought him, he could not be found. He wasn't around. Nobody could find him. Verse 22, Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. Uh, great biblical word for you there. Uh, and he hid himself among the stuff. And they ran and fetched him thence. And when he stood among the people, he was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. So Saul is about to be introduced as the king. Where is he? He's hiding. That's not the Saul that I think of. Um, although when you look at it down the road a little ways and you dive into the story of David and Goliath, well, where's Saul at? He's hiding in the stuff. He's, he's up on the hill. He's, you know, minding his own business, trying to stay out of it, trying not to get killed. Um, <clears throat> Saul is physically, he's a, he's a tall person. He's taller than everybody else from the shoulder up, it says. Um, so when he stands up, he stands out, right? I mean, you can see him. You know where Saul is. Uh, there are some people you know where they are by their voice, and there's some people you know where they are by their, by their stature. 
but Saul was that kind. He, he stood up, everybody saw him, but he was hiding. He wasn't, uh, at this point, he wasn't prideful. Um, he wasn't um, boastful. He wasn't, um, you know, I'm the king. That's not, that's not who he was. But we see he comes out, verse 24, And Samuel said to all the people, See ye him whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Then Samuel told the people the manner of the kingdom, and he wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. So Saul has been anointed the king. He's been introduced to the people as the person whom God has chosen to be the king. He will be exactly what God said he would be in chapter 8, which we'll see over his life. Um, And he'll do all the things that God said he would do in in chapter 8 as well. I'm just intrigued by, again, we kind of look at this, we always talk about Saul's height. And I think sometimes we overlook this chapter that shows Saul wasn't just gung-ho, I'm the king. He would get that way especially when he got challenged, uh, at least from popular vote challenged, of how, how mighty he was. And they started saying someone else was mightier than him. He'll take that to heart. No, I'm the king. But in chapter 10, that wasn't him. In his introduction, that wasn't him. Uh, and, and so at the end of the day, Saul is the king, uh, and we'll learn more about him, and we'll look more, more at him in the days to come. Verse 26, Saul also went home to uh, Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But, those, but the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they have despised him. They despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. So we're going to learn more about Saul and who he is. We're going to learn about the people who support him and the people who don't support him and the things that lead up to what we know as David and Goliath uh, as well and the battle that comes with it. Um, but uh, it's just an interesting introduction to Saul, and I felt it was good for us to kind of touch base on it today and, uh, and see the early parts. Saul is a guy that I, in, in all of Scripture, there's a few people that I feel bad for, and Saul's one of them. Um, and I don't know if that's fair or not, but I always felt bad for Saul. I'm like, poor Saul. First of all, he was kind of doomed from the get-go. I mean, uh, you know, God didn't want a king, um, but the people wanted a king, and God said, fine, we'll give you a king. Um, and poor Saul, um, there was, Saul did some good things, and, uh, and, and the Lord used Saul. And, uh, and I just, you know, you look at how disturbed he was, um, and, uh, and some different things with him, and uh, I, I don't know, at the end of it all, when I read of Saul's death, I always just feel a little bad for Saul, and uh, feel like maybe, not, not God, nothing, nothing that God did to him, uh, but I feel like maybe we sometimes in children's church give Saul a bad rap uh, when it's all said and done, even though he obviously had some major downfalls. But anyways, that's, you don't, that's neither here nor there. That, that part was free today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, for, um, thank you for the lessons you teach us. Thank you for the warnings you give us. Thank you that you don't, um, you don't just let us fall into bad decisions, but you give us the warning and give us the instruction we need to do right. Uh, Lord, help us to do right. Help us to follow your word. Um, Lord, help us not to reject you and your leadership, uh, but to truly commit to it and follow it. Lord, help us as we continue to study through the life of Saul and into the life of David. Uh, Lord, encourage us through it and, uh, and help us with it. 
give us what we need this week. Um, Lord, provide for the needs, uh, heal the sick, and uh, Lord, bring us back together later this week to worship together, I pray in Jesus' name.